This is a really interesting story that's been uh, getting headlines, frankly, all around the world. People pretty alarmed by this. Now, full disclosure, um, I have an uneasy relationship with makeup. I've worn it a lot. You know, you spend 25 years as a TV news anchor, you wear makeup every single day. I hated it. But until now, I thought of it as merely an inconvenience. You know, you get a headache, you stain your shirt, things like that. No big deal. But some pretty troubling news this week. The secret ingredient in long-lasting makeup, waterproof makeup, could pose a serious threat to your health and the environment. This is all from a report from the University of Toronto claiming these ingredients are pretty well known to contaminate water systems and pose health risks, and we're using them in makeup. Miriam Diamond is an earth sciences professor at the U of T, an author of this study, and she joins us now. Miriam, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I think this is a a bit of an eye-opener for a lot of people. It's a pretty concerning headline. Long-lasting makeup can cause cancer. What's going on here? Well, I mean, we were really surprised, too. So what we did is we purchased some cosmetics. Mostly uh, there were 231 products. We purchased 17 exclusively in Canada. And we found that more than half of them contained these forever chemicals called PFAS. Okay. So we were pretty surprised by that. There were there was a higher percentage. Um, actually, it was like eighty two percent of the waterproof mascaras that we tested yep. had PFAS in them. Sixty two percent of liquid lipstick, uh, and also foundations, concealers, other face products, other eye products. Okay. Overall, now- just over half of what we tested had PFAS in it. Okay. PFAS, what are we talking about here? What are these substances and what do we know about them? PFAS is a short form for per- and polyfluorinated alkyl substances. And what you want to know about them is that you probably have been exposed for a while from different sources. For example, your Teflon pen or maybe your carpet or couch that was treated with uh, a stain repellent treatment. Okay. Your waterproof jacket, stain-repellent trousers. So PFAS are used in many products. And the reason why we're concerned about that is for two reasons. First of all, there's the health, and second of all, environmental concerns. Yeah, I mean, the science around these substances is pretty clear. So let's go through those two. First of all, in terms of risks to human health, what do we know about these substances and the effects it can have on us? We know about some of the substances, but it's a huge class of compounds, like 9,000 compounds. Yeah. So what the Canadian government has done is to move to restrict several of these compounds. In response, industry moves to other compounds that are really poorly understood. But there is... So what we know of the health effects of the well-studied compounds And now emerging evidence from some of the other replacement compounds is that higher exposures to PFAS can cause a wide range of effects. So some of those effects are, for example, on the immune system. Well, this is really important right now because Mm -hmm. there there, there have been a few studies that suggest that people with higher levels of PFAS in their blood um, can contract more severe COVID-19 symptoms. There's also um, concern that people with high levels of PFAS in their blood could have um, reduced 
the, the vaccination could have reduced efficacy. But that's not all. These chemicals are also related to altering metabolism. It can lead to increased obesity and type 2 diabetes, changes in fertility, reduced fetal growth. Some of the compounds have been linked to cancer. So it's really, it's like it's a wide range of effects. Now, you said there is some government regulation. Okay, well, first of all, before we get to that, let's talk about the environmental impacts. It's not just human health, but there's also risks to the environment, correct? Yeah, and that's really important. So these are called forever chemicals because they don't break down. They'll, they, they're la- they can last for decades, if not centuries. We don't actually know how long they last because we haven't been around. They're still lasting. But I don't want to, like, I... First of all, I'm not going to live long enough to find out. But I don't really want my grandchildren to be finding out how long they last. Right, sure. They last long enough to make their way to the Arctic, the Antarctic, to the deep seas. They're they're just distributed globally. Now, one of the really important things to note is that once they get into the water where, where they tend to accumulate, it's really hard to get them out. The water treatment systems, like for treating drinking water, are very poor at removing these compounds. So we have to be very, very careful with our use of them, of the compounds, because we can't, once it's in the water, it's really, really tough to get it out. Okay, now you said there are some guidelines, some government regulations around the use of these products, but there's not when it comes to makeup? Well, there are regulations for for two of the, you know, 9,000, well, two, two plus of the over 9,000 compounds. Okay, so not all of them. Okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's minuscule, right? Two out of the over 9,000 compounds. So um, what the Canadian government has done is to move to consider all the compounds as a class, Okay. which is really very progressive. That's very good. But I think what our study indicates is that we should be moving faster to get PFAS out of products that are not essential, such as cosmetics. Well, and the other thing that I found really interesting in reading through your study is, okay, we're we're not saying you can't put it in, but we're not even making these companies label it. It's not even, you don't even know that you're applying these products to your skin. It's not marked, what is it, one out of the 17 that you tested in Canada actually labeled this as something that was in the the substance? Yes, that's right. And yet we found it in 16 out of 17 of the products that we looked at. So you can't read the label to figure it out. Boy, oh boy. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the cosmetic manufacturers don't even know. That's because the supply chains are so complicated now that the cosmetic manufacturers may be getting like a pre-formulated mixture yeah. that contains the PFAS without full disclosure. A uh, question from a listener. What about waterproof sunscreen? Is it the waterproof we need to be aware of? Could it be in waterproof sunscreen as well? I don't know. And I've had that question posed. Uh, I think we need to go back to the lab to yeah. test those waterproof sunscreens. We don't know. Very, very interesting, and I'm sure this is going to lead to some changes. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this kind of thing won't fly under the radar much longer, and we're going to see some uh, some new rules and regulations brought in around this. So, so great work. I really appreciate your time joining us this morning and uh, giving us some insight in what you found out. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to discuss this. 
Because you know what? This is like a relatively easy one to eliminate in yeah. terms of health risks and pollution to the environment. So let's do it. Yeah, so you would what think. What we should be doing is avoiding products that are marketed as being waterproof, durable, long-lasting. Those are the those are the clues. Yeah, okay. So that's what you need to watch for. Waterproof, long-lasting. Got it. Okay, thank you, Miriam. Thank you. Bye. That is Miriam Diamond, who was an earth sciences professor at the University of Toronto.